turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. While you're turning, there's an interesting verse that I wanted to share in 1 Corinthians 11. We hear it a lot, but sometimes we don't think of the full ramification of this. The, The chapter deals with the memorial supper or the Lord's Supper. But in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he what? Until he comes. And sometimes I think we, we blow over that, and, and I'm not sure that we realize the hope that we do have in Jesus. The New Living Translation in 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about the hope that we have of the resurrection. And now, brothers, verse 13, and now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the Christians who have died so you will not be full of sorrow like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, when he comes back, God will bring back with Jesus all of the Christians who have died. I can tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not prevent, will not go before Those are ahead of those who are in the graves. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the call of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. First of all, Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with with them, we who are still alive... And remain on this earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And will remain with him forever. He says, so comfort and encourage each other with these words. You know, when you talk about Jesus coming back, sometimes people get, oh, Lord, I'm scared of that. That just bothers me. Well, it doesn't bother me. And it shouldn't bother you if you're a believer because if Jesus is coming back and you're a believer, you're ready. The question is, are you really ready for him to come back? When we take a look at the scripture, we find that it's full of truth and it tells us things that maybe some things that we hear may not be necessarily the way some people might tell it. There was a couple who had their first baby. And the time when the father, when it came time for the father to change the first diaper, y'all remember that, guys? This new father, he dreaded it like the bubonic plague, but gritted his teeth, took a deep breath, and took the diaper off. He said, well, this isn't so bad. 
His wife looked at the diaper and then at her husband and said, if I were you, I wouldn't be too happy because this is just a sneak preview of some coming attractions. Well, you see, when we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, what we read is, some, is a sneak preview of what's going to happen, what's fixing to come down the pikes for you and I when it comes to, to our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. Well, if you'll notice in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, it says, we who are still alive and remain on this earth will be caught up in the clouds. Now, what in the world does that mean? That means you and I are going to go through a metamorphic change in our body. It means that you and I are going to have to do something's going to transpire in our flesh that's going to change everything. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back. And that when he does come back, he's going to catch us up. Now, some people are afraid to use the word rapture because the word rapture is not, the word itself is not in the Bible. But the definition is. The definition of the word rapture, it means to seize, to be caught up, to be snatched away. So we have the definition in 1 Thessalonians right before us. In 1 Corinthians 15, I share this a good bit at funerals, but it says in verse 42, it is the same way for the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies, which did die and decay, will be different when they're resurrected, for they will never die. Our bodies now disappoint us. But when they're raised, they'll be full of glory. They're weak now, but when they're raised, they'll be full of power. They're natural human bodies now, but when they're raised, they'll be spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, so also there are spiritual bodies. The scripture tells us that the first man was who? Now, there are those who believe that there was another generation before Adam. You say, Mike, do you have that? Or do you believe that? I can't find any evidence for it. I believe that the Bible says that the first Adam or the first man was Adam. And he became a living person. But the last Adam which was Jesus Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What came first was the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Every human being has an earthly body, just like Adam. But our heavenly bodies were yet to come, will be like Jesus Christ, like he was after the resurrection. You say, well, how was Jesus after the resurrection? Well, he'd walk into a room and walk slap through a door. 
You mean to tell me that we're going to have those capabilities that after we are resurrected and after we go to be with Jesus forever, we can go anywhere and everywhere. You probably can skip any planet, go to any, you can do whatever you want to do. Jesus was able to do that. And we're going to be like his body. He says, but I want to tell you something. I want to tell you in verse 51, a secret that God's revealed to us. You're not all going to die. Some of us are going to be transformed. That is, we're going to be on this earth living when Jesus comes back. The Bible says it will happen in a moment, in the twinkling or blinking of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, the Christians who have died will be raised and they will receive transformed, changed bodies. And when we who are living will be transformed so that we'll never die, our perishable earthly bodies will be changed into heavenly bodies that will never, ever, ever again perish. Now, to me, that's sort of a sci-fi type thing. We see things on sci-fi and all these other things of where all these aliens and all this different things go on and weird stuff happen. Well, this is kind of on the weird side, is it not? When you, if you were an astronaut and you got onto a spaceship and headed for Mars or headed for the moon, you could not go to the moon in your natural body. You have to wear a suit. And it's made for you and the atmosphere of the planet that you're going to. Well, you and I are being told here that in these bodies, we are not adaptable to the atmosphere in heaven right now. So something has to happen. And what's going to happen is you and I are going to be changed. We're going to be transformed in the blinking of the eye. Now... What is it and why is it that you and I are going to be caught up? Because something is going to take place to this earth. The Bible calls it there's going to be a tribulation take place on this earth. The Bible describes that tribulation period of time seven years. It will be on this earth when hell breaks loose like this earth has never experienced. Now, there are those that believe that the church will go through the first three and a half years of that and then be caught up out. There are those that believe and teach that you'll go through all seven years. I don't believe either one. I believe, and I'll share with you the scripture that I have, that proof takes this, but Jesus was telling the disciples all of this, and all of a sudden, they got kind of troubled Maybe you're identifying a little bit this morning on this subject the way the disciples felt when Jesus first told them. In John 14, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, here it is. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Are y'all kind of warm in here? 
uh, reverse the heat and put on some air. I, I wore a coat today, and when I wore, wear one of these, it get hot. Jesus said, look, where do people go when they die right now? Where do they go? Do they stay in the ground? Do they go to be with Jesus? Where do they go? Where would you go right now if you died? You know, it's kind of interesting. Because when God made Adam, now notice how he did this. He took up about $9.50 worth of dirt and put it together and formed man. But man wasn't alive because he formed a frame, was he? No. He had, a, he had a body laid out there just exactly the way he wanted, but Adam still wasn't alive. What did he do? The Bible says he blew into the nostrils of Adam uh, and, and, and gave him a living soul. And he came alive. Ladies and gentlemen, when you give up what I call the ghost. When you die, you're going to give up who you are. Your body doesn't define you. Your body contains you. You walk in that body. And as I said earlier, some of you are a little discouraged with your body. I know Miss Connie, she's fixing to face some serious stuff. To her, would be to me too of adjusting or pulling out some screws in, 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 in damaged parts. I mean, that's serious stuff. Your body has a tendency to let you down, but your soul never will. You see, your body is only as live as the soul in it. And when the soul comes out, I, I've never seen the soul come out of the body. You, There are those that say, I saw it. Or there are those that come out and have an out-of-body experience and look down and say, I saw every one of you, but I came back. I tell you what, if I ever get out of this stinking body, I pray to God nobody pray one prayer whatsoever of me coming back. Let me go. Because Paul says it's a whole lot better on the other side if you just let me get out of this body and go home. Paul said to those who wonder about those who die in Jesus that I say unto you that to be absent from the body is to be present with Jesus. To be present with the Lord. You want to know exactly what happens when you exit this body? You're there with Jesus. That's what Paul said. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, it says, For you know quite well that the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly, like the thief in the night, he's taking the saints and leaving the lost sinners. You see, heaven is prepared for those that have prepared themselves here. You can't wait and die and think, well, I'll just hang over there in purgatory for a little while and Somebody will pray enough money to pray me out of here and get... No, 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 no. 
There is no biblical scripture that backs up such a teaching. What you do here is very important. That's why you need to be ready to go. What you do here with Jesus is going to determine where you go when you die. The scripture says that when Jesus comes, it'll be as quick as the blinking of an eye. Now, scientists tell us they've they've computed that it takes one-fiftieth of a second to blink an eye. And they say that a person blinks 25 times a minute. Thus, a motorist who averages 55 miles an hour on a 10-hour trip drives 33 miles with their eyes shut. You better know who Jesus is if you're driving with your eyes shut. Sometimes I don't believe we take this very serious, but you will after you die. The Bible tells us in Matthew 24, 37, when the Son of Man returns... It will be like Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered into the boat. People didn't even realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Listen to this. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding flour at a meal house. One woman will be taken, the other will be left. So be prepared because you know not what day the Lord is coming. You say, Mike, do you know when he's coming? Nope, nobody else does either. Do you know what maybe season he's coming? I really don't. And it amazes me that the Bible says that the plan is with the Father. Jesus don't even know. That just blows me away. But one day, Jesus is coming. He's going to be told by his heavenly father, go and get them. Get my church. Get the believers. You see, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 10, the apostles were with Jesus, and they kept asking Lord, are you going to free Israel and restore your kingdom? Jesus said, the Father sets those dates. I didn't. And him are, and and they are not for you and I to know. As they were talking, Jesus all of a sudden was taken up into the sky right before their very eyes, and they're watching Jesus ascend into heaven on a cloud. Now, that's enough to mess up anybody. They're standing there, can't believe what they've just seen. And all of a sudden, two men in white robes showed up. The Bible calls them angels. And he said, you guys, why are you standing here looking up into the heavens as if you're going to bring him back? Don't you know that this same Jesus that is left just the way he's left, he is coming back. Now, the scriptures make it plain to me that when Jesus comes back, he's coming back and bringing those who have died with him. He's bringing the souls, not the body. Where's the body? In the ground. Now, there are those that say, well, you know what, Mike? 
I believe in soul sleep. I believe that when I die, that I'm just going to stay in the ground. Part of you will. (laughs) It's your body. Because that $9.50 worth of dirt that it took for you to be made with, now, if you get to thinking that you are something, that you big, tall stuff, and, and that you all this private, you ain't worth but about $9.50. So that ought to humble you just a little bit. But understand this. When Jesus comes back, he's bringing back all of those souls. Now, I get a little theological with that thing. Because I know where Moses, y'all know where Moses' body's at right now? It's in the grave. But on the, on the uh, Mount of Transfiguration, Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah showed back up. And it says they sat beside Jesus and prayed with him. When the people looked, they saw Elijah and Moses. Now, I don't know what kind of body that we're going to have, but I'll tell you this, you're not an embodied spirit when you die and go to heaven. You say, well, what am I going to look like? If you were Moses, you're going to look like Moses. If you were Elijah, you'll look like Elijah. That's not going to change. Except when you get your glorified body, it will be perfect. Now, somebody said, I think it was Tony Evans. Now, it's, his, it's speculation. But he said he believed that everybody's going to be around 33 years old. Now, why would he say that? Because that was the age of Jesus when he died. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When I was 33, that didn't impress me one bit. But now that I'm 63, do the math. 30 years older, I like it. You know, I'll send texts to some of y'all, and, and it'll come back, and I didn't understand it. It says, liked, and then tell me what I said. And, and I want to say, well, I don't really care whether you liked it or not. I was sending it to you for, for information. But I like the fact that there is that possibility. Don't know for, a, for sure. It just says that we will be like Jesus, right? We will be conformed to the image of Jesus. That would be kind of cool if you're 63, that you could actually be only 33 in heaven. Matthew 24, 42 tells you and I to watch, and therefore, as believers, we should live in expectation and anticipation of the return of Jesus. I want all of you to turn to 1 Thessalonians 1.10, because this, to me, It's why I believe what I believe. You say, well, now, are you going to take one verse and camp all of what you believe on? Well, you know what? When it really boils down to it, if we have to go through the the tribulation, I don't want to. And this verse tells me I'm not going to. But if I had to go through it, don't you think Jesus is going to see us through it? I mean, if I had to go through the first three and a half years of the tribulation, I'm going to tell you something. I'm probably going to preach on the tribulation, and you're going to pray. You're going to get on your knees and pray. I ain't going to tell you when because you wouldn't show up. But I'm going to preach on it, and I guarantee you, you're going to say, Oh, my Lord, I don't want to go through that. 
Well, I don't either. But either way, whatever God does and however he, you know, I don't want to have a car wreck and be mangled for life either. Do you? I don't mind dying. I just don't want to hurt to get there. Do you? I'm a chicken. I don't want to. Do you like to hurt? Anybody love hurting? Well, we're all in unison here. I don't either. And I pray, God, if I have to go, if, if, if something happens, man, make it a good shot. I mean, right to the temple. Make it to the heart. I mean, don't, I don't want one second of pain. You? I don't. Well, look what First, first Thessalonians 1 verse 10 says. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10. And they speak of how you're looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, He is the one who will rescue you and I from the terrors of the coming judgment. What is that coming judgment? It's tribulation. Man, when you get the tribulation laid out, it even spooks me. And I thank God. You say, well, is, is this consistent with God's nature? I think it is. When Noah was told that God was going to bring this, uh, judgment on the world, what did he tell Noah to do? He said, well, Noah, I want you to build a boat. Well, I don't think they really knew much about what a boat was all about, but God gave him the plans, and they hadn't really seen rain, but he built a boat. And then he told Noah, I want you to preach that judgment is coming, and I'm going to destroy everybody. Don't get on this boat. You thought they, you, do you think anybody listened to that? Nope. Just like a lot of folk don't listen to, about what I'm saying today. They don't listen. But then all of a sudden, God said, okay, Noah, get those on there that believe. And it was just his family. And then it began to rain. And everybody died. You say, I do not believe that there is uh, scientific proof that this earth was under a flood. Well, then you're a dummy. I saw it with my own eyes. On the one of the three places in the, in the United States or in, in the world, there's three, one of them is in Elizabethan, Tennessee, on the top of a youth camp called Doe River Gorge. You will see fossils of that high peak on the top of that mountain. Yes, there was a flood. When God told Lot to get his family ready that he was fixing to rain down fire and brimstone from heaven, did that happen? Yes, it did. He, did, it, he, he just about had to run them out a lot. They, had, they loved Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom. Had to right about run them out, and then what happened? Judgment came. But what did God do in both cases? He got his people out. As Jesus said in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, he will rescue us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Now, see, that's what I believe. We say, Mike, what if you're wrong? I'll just apologize to you when we get to heaven. But if everybody else is wrong, I expect the same. Amen? Matthew 24, 44 says, Therefore be you also ready for such an hour you think not the Son of Man cometh. 
Hebrews 10, 25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, warn each other, especially now that the day of his glory, uh, the day of his coming back again is drawing near. You say, preacher, they've been saying that ever since I was a knee high to a grasshopper. Yep. And you better continue to tell it. You better continue to believe it because even though he may not come and When you're on this earth, you may not be going, but you'll be coming back if you're a believer. And you'll be coming back with him. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 says when Jesus comes back, he's going to bring all of the believers who have died in him. All who have died in Jesus will be returning with him. Let me ask you something. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready? Is everything all right at your house? You see, Jesus cares about you. You you said earlier, you hang all your hat on one verse. If I didn't have but one verse in the Bible... I'd hang my hat on John 3.16. That's one verse. And it tells it all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish. What do you mean perish? Well, Luke 16 tells us that there's a place in eternity called hell. And there's a place in eternity called heaven. And the only way we're going to be ready for heaven is that we've got to know Jesus. And Jesus has to be on the inside of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, The only thing that's going to die is your body. You're not going to die. You're going on to the place that you're preparing yourself for right now. And by the way, Jesus has already set, he's already paved the road. It's a clear road. And it's a narrow road according to to the book of Matthew because there's only one way to get there. And that's through him. Are you ready? And I'll tell you this, if you're not, you ain't coming back if you die. You're not coming back until the great white throne judgment. And at the great white throne judgment, God's going to show everyone who did not and rejected him of what they did and why. But that don't happen to happen to us today. Why? Why? Because you and I have an opportunity. We have an open door called the door of grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For you see, it's a gift of God. And the gift was Jesus. And you either receive that gift or you reject it. It's all in your court. What are you doing? What have you done? With Jesus, with your heads bowed, 
and your eyes closed. Father,